church. We love him and Courtney and Leo and, and Ezra on the way. And we know that God's blessing them in a mighty way, but I just want to give opportunity to him at times. You see him singing, but he's also a good preacher, anointed preacher of God. And we would just want to welcome him this morning as he comes to preach this morning. Will you just give him a welcome this morning? Praise. Praise the Lord. I uh, just want to kind of echo what Pastor said. Let the, let the preacher be in the house, and the preacher is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, I, as soon as I saw that, you know, that um, I was on the calendar for this Sunday, and it was, our, uh, it was our fall back, and we got to gain an hour of sleep. Y'all, it's hard to preach on the time changes, <laughs> so, uh, so you pray for me this morning. Even when we gain an hour of sleep, sometimes you can feel a little draggy, amen? You know, you get that time schedule uh, off track, and, and if you've got any babies in here, as we have come to find out with our first one, it doesn't matter what the time is, they're still, <laughs> they're still on the same schedule, so... Um, but, uh, but, but this morning, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that all of the dragginess and stuff just get out the way, and our hearts are ready for the Word of God. Amen? Believe with me this morning. Stretch your hand forward. We're going to pray together that the Word of God would speak in this house. Father, we adore you, God, and we praise your name in this house, Father. Lord, and you are the good shepherd. You are the preacher. You are the leader of this house, God. So, I, God, I just ask that today... Your word would be made known to your people, Father, that I would simply just be a vessel for you, God, that nothing that I had planned or my own mind, it would just get out of the way and let you move in this house. Father, I pray that any sort of dragginess along the way when we've gotten messed up sleep schedules, Lord, that all of that I cast out in Jesus' name, Lord. I speak to that fatigue. I speak to that sleepiness and weariness, Father, that leave in Jesus' name. And today we are ready to receive your word. And in Jesus' name we believe, and amen and amen. If you have your Bibles with me, I want you to turn to the book of Job. We're going to look at the book of Job, and I want you to turn to the very last chapter in Job. We're going to look at Job chapter 42. We're going to start in verse 12 and read uh, the rest of the chapter there down to 17. So we're going to look at Job chapter 42, verses 12. Through 17, I see my sound man's back up there. Listen, I gave them a lot today, so uh, let's give some praise for them before beforehand. Before we get mad, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Bless their hearts back there. They got a tough job back there. They're going to they're be trying to keep up with me today. But if you're there with me in your Bible, something I like to do, if you're there with me, say amen. All right. Job chapter 42, verse 12. It says this, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the second the name Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapak. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children 
and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. I want to walk through you the story of Job this morning. If you've never read the story of Job, I promise you it is a good read. Go home, read it throughout this week. It is a good read. In fact, we were on our fishing trip a couple weeks ago, and this is where it kind of raised up. Um, Calvin and some of my other brothers in the Lord were talking about Job, and so I was reading Job sitting by the stream side. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, but there's some great words in Job. Go home, read that. Um, but in Job, we start out, and, we, and in chapter 1, it kind of introduces you know, who Job is. And if, you, if you're not familiar with this, I'm going to walk you through kind of the story of Job because it's important where we're going at. And my brother's already got the checkmate title up there. We're, we're, we're going somewhere with this. Job was a man in, in the land of Uz, and uh, he was known to be the greatest in the East. He's a great man. He's blessed by God. He, uh, he shunned evil and he feared the Lord. The Lord had blessed him so much that uh, he given him seven sons, three daughters, gave him 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, uh, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and, and, and he had this great big family. I mean, he was truly a blessed man. If you had to put that in the, in the AMV or the Appalachian Mountain version, he had five John Deere tractors, 10,000 acres, a four-story farmhouse, a big old family, and early retirement. Amen. <laughs> but he was known to be the greatest, the greatest in the East. And during a meeting of the sons of God, Satan came to the Lord and basically was bragging about what he could do on the earth. He was saying, you know, I'm, Satan was saying, I can go to and fro from the earth pretty much doing whatever I want to do. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? And I, I want to stop there just for a second because I love that the Lord just describes him as my servant. If there's any way that the Lord could describe us, not that he's a, a preacher or a singer or all these different things, but if he could just describe us as my servant, come on, that should be our goal. One day he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on, that should be our that should be our goal. But he said, have you considered my servant Job? So Satan answers back and he says, you know what? The Lord, you, you have blessed him so much. You've, you, you've had your hand upon him. And that's why he has kept his trust, kept his, his faith in you. I tell you what, if you let me attack those things, he will curse you. And the Lord allowed this testing to go on. And the first thing... That Satan goes after is all of his possessions and, and his family and everything that he has. Now I'm telling you, all of us in here have had our trials and all of us have had our struggles. But Job, in one day, one day, had four messages brought to him that all of his livestock were either killed or stolen from invaders, that his servants were killed and that his family had went through a catastrophe where all of his sons and daughters were feasting in the eldest son's home and, and the wind just blew over the house and they all died. And one day he gets message after message that all these things are just stripped away. But Job kept his faith. He kept his integrity and he kept his trust in the Lord. And in fact, 
in, in chapter 1, 21, he even says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Y'all, I don't know about you, but that would be hard to do. There's times where last few weeks we've been fighting with our plumbing and I'm having a hard time blessing the name of the Lord just because I'm fighting my plumbing. But he went through all that in one day, and then we see his faith. He says, you know what? The Lord has given. The Lord can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Satan goes back to God, and he, and he says, listen, if you would only just let me touch his life, because that's what a man holds dear, holds best. And, and the Lord allows this to happen, allows this to happen, and he says to spare his life. And so then Satan attacks him with almost like a, a form of leprosy, but the scripture just says painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So now he's put in this great pain. Not only does he have the grief that's put on him because everything was stripped away and his family was killed, but now he has this painful boils all over his body. Even the one who on this earth who loves him most, his wife even said after this came, she said, why don't you just curse God and die? It's like she was given up too. Even the one that was closest to him. But yet he stayed trusting the Lord and he never cursed with his lips. He never sinned with his lips. If you read the scriptures, he, he cursed the, the, the day he was born. But he never cursed the Lord. Never cursed the Lord. He would, and, and, and he went on to say things like this. In Job chapter 2 he said, Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And it says in all these things, Job did not sin with his lips. Even when his, what we would think is his entire life, everything he had, and now his health was taken away from him, he still blessed the name of the Lord. That God was still his father, that God is still holy, and above everything that we can reason, he knew that God had a plan and had a purpose for these things. And so we see then his, his grief, and it goes on. Job had, had four friends that talked to him along the way. And if you ever go through a trial and, and, and things are taken away from you, one of the first things that we try to do is we try to reason through it all, right? We try to be like, all right, God, why is this going on? Why is this going, why is this going on? So Job has four friends go along, and they, they simply just try to like reason with him through this whole thing. So if you read the, the scriptures, each one, uh, they come along and they basically reason and try to say, you know what, like Job, you, you must have did something wrong. You, you must have sinned. God brought all this on you. Something's not right, Job. His friends, you look at them, Eliphaz, uh, Bildad, Shofar, and Elihu, all of them came up and they were like, listen, something must be wrong. Something must be wrong. And you need to repent. You need to get right with the Lord. And Job Bless his heart, man. He stayed right with the word of the Lord and even called his friends in chapter 13. He said, you worthless physicians. You can't, <laughs> you can't diagnose this. You know, you can't, you don't know what's going on. You don't know, uh, you can't reason through this. And he keep proclaiming about how the Lord just knows the foundations of the earth and all creation. And we can't understand him. That his faith stood strong even when we couldn't reason in our own thinking. Guys, I will say that's a whole next level of faith. When you believe God, even when it doesn't make sense to you. When you can't reason with it, but it's all from the Lord. 
And praise God, I don't understand all his plans. Praise God, I don't understand his ways and his thoughts, that they are higher than mine. Amen? I lean on that. I trust in that. I would worry if I could understand him. I would worry if I could. But he, he is too great. His works are too marvelous to even count. I cannot compare to his understanding. And praise God for that. And Job understood that. And so he, he stood fast in his faith, even though he was so grieved, so grieved. I mean, everything was stripped away from him. Friends were trying to reason and, and, and just, he even talks about it, how his, his grief, if he could weigh it, was more than the sand of the sea. So his grief was just so great. You can just see that and he's in pain. His grief was so great, actually, when these friends showed up, they just sat in silence for seven days and seven nights. That you could just see it on him. So I want you to get that picture of Job, that there's such a, such a grief in him, but yet he stood fast to his faith in the Lord, that the Lord knew more than he did, and, 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 and it was going to be all right. And now we get to this end, and God stirs up a whirlwind, and begins to speak to Job. He echoes kind of the same things that Job started to say. About how I am the creator of the foundations of the earth. And the grass and the wind and the seas. They all obey me. And he begins, he just, just, just declares his glory and glory. And just says it to Job. And I think, I think Job's faith just began to rise up. As the Lord began to build him. And just say how good God is. And then at the end of all this. God restores him, heals his body, gives him more, seven sons and three daughters, doubles his possessions to 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. But he restores Job. And, and, and I want to, now that we kind of see that whole scenario I want to walk you through kind of what the word of God gave me and what and I want to bring in this title checkmate anybody play chess in this house all right if anybody plays chess.com I'm pharmacist 1470 you can find me on there. I'm just kidding I love to play chess okay I love to play chess and uh, I've been playing it for about a year maybe two um, and, and I've started to learn a lot about the game. And uh, some of you in here are already rolling your eyes. I can see it. You're like, oh, my goodness, chess, are you kidding me? <laughs> but but, uh, but let, me, let me explain a little bit to you, okay? Chess is, is, is probably the only game that you can really see someone's personality just by the way they play. Um, there's millions of combinations, not just like the way that the pieces move, but also the sequence in which they move and such. Ch Pastor knows he, he plays chess. But, but it's the sequence in which they move and, and you kind of set up traps and you try to basically like try to outthink your, your, your uh, opponent and just try to think a few moves ahead of them. There's a lot in it. And the goal of the game is to get to this point where you've trapped their king, their king piece. The, if you can trap that king, okay, that, that means you win the game. You're about to knock the king and, and he can't move anywhere else. That's the... The, the winning of the game. And when you say, when you win it, you say that word, checkmate. 
And to a chess player, that's one of the most like disheartening and, 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 and intimidating things when you're sitting across from your opponent and they finally look at you and go, checkmate. And you're like, oh, man, it just, it just sinks in your heart. Listen, and if you don't know what I'm talking about and you don't understand chess, uh, they even use it in like dramatic movies and stuff, you know, and in action movies. At the end, they're like, checkmate, you know, check. You never hear somebody going, uno, or, or quarkle, <laughs> you know. No, the, no other game is like it. So it's like checkmate, and it's intimidating, and it's like, oh, man, it's the, it's the, it's the end, you know? And, and, and I heard about this story, and, and, and uh, as I love the game of chess and begin to learn more about it, I heard about the story, and I have to share it with you today because it's such a spiritual revelation. I heard this a couple months ago, and I couldn't get it out of my mind because the Lord was just speaking in this, and there's such a spiritual revelation. So do you have that picture, brother, that you can pick up? If you want to go ahead and pull that painting up, and if you, if you don't have it, yeah, there we go. All right, thank you, brother. There's this painting that was done in 1831 by a Frenchman whose name is like four names long. I think it's like Frederick Moritz Augustus uh, Retzik or something like that. That would have been tough to spell in kindergarten, amen? But, but, but he painted this in 1831, and this painting is called Checkmate. It was in 1831 that the Luire Museum in Paris, France took this painting and it stood up there for years. People would go by and look at this painting and I want to explain this painting a little bit because it's actually a little creepy, the meaning behind it. But what you have on this side, you actually have someone who's posed as Satan. This is supposed to be the devil and, the, and Satan playing on this side. And he's got a little bit of a smirk to him because he, he, he believes that he's won the game, that he's in this checkmate phase, the name of the painting, Checkmate. And the man is supposedly playing for his soul, and he's on the other side, and you can see him just kind of looking at the board like, I'm out of options. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Even the angels kind of like, you know, sad and, and whatnot. And, and this painting stood in that museum for years. But the story goes like this, is that in that museum, in one of, the, it must have been, you know, how people would go around in groups. Well, in one of those groups, there was a grandmaster chess player. And if you don't know what a grandmaster chess player is, there's only a handful in the world but they have to like play other people and build up their ranking and all this stuff. And there was a grandmaster chess player come by and was looking at this painting. And as he began to look at it, and he, you know, the, I'm sure the group was probably long gone, but he began to look at the pieces and begin to see where, where they're at and, and, and how to move them and, and, and what was left and, and all this sort of things. And the story goes like this, is that he called over, it must have been the leader of the group or the manager of the museum and said, listen, I am a grandmaster chess player, and I'm here to tell you either one, have to change the painting, or two, you're going to have to change the name of the painting. Because as I looked at this and I seen those pieces, there's still one more move, and it's the king that has to move. Guys, I'm about to, I'm about to explode with spiritual revelation here. But what I'm saying is, the king still had one more move. Come on, and if you're a chess player, I encourage you to go home, look at this up, and look to see the king root, move diagonal up right, and he would actually set the man up for victory. 
So he began to look at that, and he was like, listen, you've got to change the painting. So here's what I want to be like. I want to be like the grandmaster that, that went by and seen the painting going on, and I'm here to tell you today that the king has another move. I see this played out through the entire book of Job. As we talked about all of his, I can just see it. It's like Satan was setting across from him, moving the pieces in the right direction, in the right sequence, trying to set Job up. I can see his, Job's pieces, so to speak, getting taken off the game when even his friends were trying to reason and whatnot. Or even his queen, so to speak, his wife, who was even saying curse God and die. I can see him just getting, wondering, how is this going to work? But yet, but Job kept his faith and he allowed God to get the final word. He allowed God to get the final move. And when this happened, it was a whole new game. And the devil better realize that it ain't the same game that God's playing. He's going to have to change it up. But I'm telling you, the king has another move. In your struggles in your life, it can feel like that. It's like, man, it's just every peace that the devil moves it just seems to be in the right sequence it's just moving in the right way it's the right everything is crowding up against me and I can't quite work it out I'm telling you just let God move let the king move Wait upon him. Don't move without him. Be still and know that he is God. Don't you move an inch until the king has moved. You hold fast to his word. If you need something, you look in the word and you say, God, how do you move in this? How do you move in this? When the devil's trying to check you and whatnot and, and, and maybe he's making you feel weak like you can't do it and you did this or that, you read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 when it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in Weakness. Come on, I'm about to take off here. If you're needing some victory in this house, you remind him that the king is going to move. And Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are made more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you need a healing in this house, you look to Isaiah 53.5 when you say that all by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Come on, y'all. You all aren't preaching with me. Let's go here. If you're needing victory and you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, you pull out that Philippians 4.13. Say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to encourage some parents in this house. you got some adult children that need to come back to the Lord. You lean on the promise in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he grows old, he will not depart from it. You, Oh, come on, y'all. There's word. There's scripture. There's word. You need to lean. On the, on the king moving not you and no matter what the situation may look like I'm here to tell you that the king has another move for God has the final word God has the final say so there were three words and I want to look at them a little different there were three words as Jesus was dying on the cross and when he breathed his last breath, he said three words so powerful that he said, it is finished. Can I tell you another way to say that? I just see, I just see the devil thinking he's moving all the right pieces against our Lord and Savior. That he thought he had him beat. 
And as he's dying up on the cross, and it is finished, same thing as checkmate. I just feel that, and, and it just in that same intimidation as you're sitting across from your opponent, and they say checkmate, and your soul just kind of, oh man, I can just see the devil say, seeing that, and, and, and then Jesus says it is finished. It's like he's saying checkmate, and the devil and all of his plans just crumbled to the ground, for there is victory in our Lord and Savior Jesus as he took our sins upon the cross, and when he said it is finished, that means every trial, every sin, everything that you go through, there is victory found in him. So checkmate, devil. Checkmate. This entire the, the, the whole story of Job. I want you to pull up that other scripture that I gave you in 2 Corinthians. The whole story of Job. Can, we can look at this scripture and kind of see it all made manifest uh, in his life. But in 2 Corinthians 3:18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That we're being transformed from glory to glory. Job was the greatest in the east, they said. Blessed by God, feared the Lord, shunned evil. Walked in glory. But then we read 42 chapters of grief and of pain. That he went through that word in the middle there, that two. In fact, I would say that that's the longest word in that scripture. Is the word two. I've heard it said like this that the Lord will transform us from glory to glory. That sometimes that two phase can be a really long time. We don't know how long Job was in that phase. Some, some say that it might be months, it might be two years to, to, to four years, three and a half. There's a lot of speculation on how long, but it was 42 chapters long. It was a long time for Job. He, he, he had everything stripped away from him. His possessions, his family was killed. He had terrible pain and he, he suffered. You can read about how he had long nights where he couldn't sleep, that he was tossing and turning. He went through this, this terrible phase. But I'm telling you, as we read in those last few verses, that there was 140 years after this. It said that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more so than the early. So it's like, he took him from glory to glory. And I'd love to just say that a few more times because sometimes in our walk it's like he takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. And here's another trial to glory. But he keeps moving you. And so what I want to do is encourage you that if you're in that two phase I want to encourage you and say there's glory coming after. That God has the final word. That he has something special for you, a purpose, a plan for your life. And even though it can seem like grief and it can seem like pain in the middle, but there's glory coming after. The Lord has taken you from glory to glory. Glory. 
I want us to look at a few more words here. If we want to pull that last that uh, last verse up, I'm sorry, 42, chapter to uh, chapter 42. I want you to look at uh, verse 16 because I think there's two words here that some of y'all need to hear in this house. Verse 16 says, After this, Job lived 140 years, saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. But those two words right there, after this, Job went through all of that. And after this, he lived 140 years being blessed by God. 42 chapters of scripture that we read that might have been about two years of his life, but yet we see another 140 that came after. And he's seen his children and grandchildren. He was blessed by the Lord, and the Lord blessed the latter part moreover than the first. And so what I'm saying is that there is an after this moment. There is an after this, whatever your this is, there's an after this. Come on, I will go ahead and take that all the way to say this, that all of this corruption in the world and everything that's going on, there is an after this moment where the King of Kings is going to come and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is the Lord, that He is Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God. Come on, there is an after this moment. So no matter what your trial is right now, you may feel like you're in that two phase and it may be painful. It may be tough. You may have friends like Job that was coming up and, and you don't even understand your friends anymore and it seems like you're all alone. But let me tell you, there's an after this. And the Lord has taken you from glory to glory. So here's what I want to say. Just as the same way that Job was put through this two phase of 42 chapters, couple years long, and yet he kept his faith in the Lord and kept his trust in the Lord. I'm telling you, when you're in the two phase, just keep trusting the Lord. I love the way that pastor said it. We say glory to glory, but it's like going faith to faith. You may not remember you even said that. Faith to faith. Faith to faith. The next trial, I'm going to be faithful, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. I'm going to lean on your word. The next one, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean on your word. The next one, I'm going to trust you and lean on your word. Whatever may come my way, Lord, I'm going to trust you and lean on your word. So if you're in that two phase, you trust the Lord. You look at this. I don't want to call it a game because it's not a game. But you look at this stuff that the devil's tried to line up against you. You begin to speak to those in Jesus' name. You speak to the sickness out of here. You speak to the conflicts out of there. You begin to look at the word of God and what he has to say about it. And you let God move. You let God move. And it's through all that. No matter the time that passes, there will be an after this moment. And he will take you into glory. But you've got to trust him right now. You've got to trust him right now. 
You look to him just as that chess player did and said, listen, the only way that we're going to get out of this one is if the king moves. The only way that we're going to get out of this is if that king moves. So, so Lord, I'm going to be still. I'm going to know that you are God. And I'm not going to move without you, Father. I'm not going to take another step. I'm not going to try to reason through this. I'm not going to try to just... Come on, even depend on other people. But I need you, God. I need you to move in my life. Oh, come on, and I thank the Lord just as he began to talk to Job and he stirred up a whirlwind and he began to tell him who he was. The Lord will begin to build up your faith in the same way and he'll show you how powerful he is and how mighty he is and he will reinforce his word and he'll give you that strength and that encouragement and he'll build you up. And I'm telling you, when you lean on him, you can look the devil in the face and say those words, say, check, mate, devil, <laughs> check, mate. My king is moving. Come on, I have, I have a few more notes here, but I think the Lord is wrapping this up. I think the Lord is speaking to hearts in this room right now. I can see it on faces in, 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 in this crowd of people that there's some people in here that's starting to tear up a little bit because you know that you're in that two phase. That the Lord is just, he, he's taking you to glory, but right now it's tough. Right now it's tough. And at this moment, we're going to come before God and we're going to say, Lord, I trust in you. My faith is in you, Lord. Stand with me right now. Listen, I know that there is... Stories to be told in this house. There's testimonies to be told that the Lord has shined his face and he has proven his goodness to us. But I'm speaking to the ones in here, especially those that you may have seen the Lord move in your life before. It seems like you were in glory once, but now it's like in my spirit I just feel like it's kind of numb, it's kind of dull, or it's, it's painful right now. I want to encourage you that at this time you can trust and you can know that the Lord is going to bring you through this. That the latter part is going to be more than before. More. He's going to reveal himself more. Because it's not in the blessings that God brings, but yet we worship him just for who he is. It's not what God can bring us possessions. Not even in our own families, but we just worship Him for He is God. He is holy. And no one stands beside Him. And He has no equal. He has no rival. He is the Lord God Almighty. You can trust in His provision. You can trust in His Word. And this morning I'm going to ask you to make that commitment to come to God saying, God, I'm trusting you. Right now, if you just bow your head, because I know that the Lord is moving on people in this house.